Well, it's really good to be here this morning. Um, we are we are smack dab in the middle of a series on living generously. And so a, a lot of us, when we come to church and we hear the word generosity, we quickly equate it to they're going to ask for my money. And yes, we are. But we're not talking about just money at church. We have to remember that Jesus has a ton to say about money and possessions and how we as followers of God handle them. Uh, our thesis for this series is this, that God's desire for our lives is not that we give more money to renew. Well, let me re- repeat that. God's desire for our lives is not that we give more money to renew, but that we live generously in the world. So God's desire is not that you, that we would give more money to renew, but that we would let him mess with our hearts, with the inward stuff of our lives, so that we learn to live generously as a pipe, not as a bucket. Uh, Last week, or last gathering, JR said um, some of the things that we sort of talked about, I think are good to recap. There's a lot of baggage when we talk about money. Uh, Many of us have these images of flipping through the channels late at night and seeing this man with a wife with purple hair and they're asking for your money. Um, Some of us have heard these, these wacky teachings about prosperity that God will give you a Mercedes if you have faith. Um, and these are not accurate, and they're not healthy things. So many of us have been hurt by church finances. Um, because of the baggage, it would be easier for us to say, you know what, there's a lot, this is just a really touchy topic, so let's just leave it alone. But we actually sense the opposite. And we feel like because it's a touchy subject, we actually have to press into it and say, what is God's heart for this? What does God want us to think about it? How does he want us to process? How does he want us to to conduct our lives in a way that honor him as our king and part of his kingdom? Um, We shouldn't be surprised that this is an emotional topic because how we handle our money not only reveals very clearly the level and depth of our faith, and this is why we talk about it, because the way we handle our stuff reveals so much about who we think God is. We are pipes, we are not buckets. But we also remember that generosity is a journey. It's not something where you're just born generous. Uh, for, for my wife and I, it has been a struggle. We, we have struggled through what does it mean to live generously. And we grow, and then we reassess, and then we struggle some more. There's tension, right? How many, how many marriages here have ever had a fight over money? How many, how many single people have ever been really worried about money? How many of you have ever had thoughts about money? Anyone? Okay, some of us, right? Like this isn't just something that just magically appears and this, I mean, this, is, this, this gets to the grittiness of our heart. It opens up a ton of fears. Uh, it's, this is not easy. It is scary. It's, it's also very fulfilling. When, when we begin to live life generously, we live a very fulfilled life. Um, and the one thing that we have to remember about this conversation as we have it with each other, as we have personal conversations, is this is covered in grace. Money is covered in grace. The discussion on money is covered in grace because Jesus loves us and he set us free. And our life now is lived in response to that great love. So we want to make sure that you guys don't hear me or JR or Dwayne, who's teaching next time, saying things like things that are just absolute and there's no grace in it. Please hear the grace because it's easy for our minds to interpret what you are hearing as void of grace. 
Because when we hear money, we strip the grace away from it. But we have to see the grace that God has in this. Uh, we have a very special reader this morning. This is a first for Renew. Uh, actually, it's a second, but this is really special because this is during a gathering. And Hope is going to read the pastor for us. So, Hope, can you come on up? And I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we hear the gospel. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to be reading verses 14 through 30, right? Cool, and I'll hold this for you. Is that good? You can read the title. Yeah, go ahead. The story of the three servants. Again, here is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. A man is going on a journey. He sent for his servants and put them in charge of his property. He gave $10,000 to one, he gave $4,000 to another, and he gave $2,000 to the third. The man that gave each servant the amount of money he knew the servant would take care of. Then he went on his journey. The servant who had received $10,000 went at once and put his money to work. He earned $10,000 more. The one with $4,000 earned $4,000 more. But the man who had received $2,000 went and dug a hole in the ground. He hid his master's money in it. After a long time, the master of the servants returned. He wanted to collect all the money that they had earned. The man who had received 10000 brought the other 10000 Master, he said, you trusted me with $10,000. See, I have earned $10,000 more. His master replied, you have done well, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with $4,000 also came. Master, he said, you trusted me with $4,000. See, I have earned $4,000 more. You have, his master replied, you have done well, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come to your master's happiness. Then the man who had received $2,000 came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest where you have not planted. You gather crops where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your $2,000 in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Where is master called you evil, lazy servant? So you knew that I harvest where I have not planted. You know I gather crops where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my bunny in the bank. When I returned, you would have received it back with interest. Then his master commanded the other servants, Take the $2,000 from him. Give it to the one that has 20000 Everyone who has will be given more. He will have enough, more than enough. And what about... Anyone who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So that we're sitting outside, there in the darkness, people will sob and grind their teeth. Excellent job, Hope. Thank you so much. So yeah, you may be seated. That is the word of the Lord. So what are our initial thoughts on this passage? Shout them out. What are your thoughts? What do you think when you heard this? Top notch. 
tough master. Yeah, yeah. What? The more you give, the more you receive. Yeah. What else? Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like a t-shirt you could make and put on your website. Um, yeah, well, what else? What, what, are, what are some other thoughts that we hear? Yeah. Yeah, one of the rewards which I never picked up on is being able to enter into the joy of the Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, what else? What are some other things? Maybe two or three more. Meant to multiply, yeah, not hold it to ourselves. Great. A few more? What's a worthy investment? What's a worthy investment? Great question. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Yes. A lot of these are the same thoughts that I had. This seems unfair, sort of, in some ways. It seems like the master is potentially mean. Um, yeah. What, what makes the last guy being so wicked? You know, what, why is he the one who's been pinned as wicked? Uh, is it about money or is it about more? Um, is this a prosperity gospel? Uh, will I win the Powerball? And in some ways this, this, this can feel really harsh uh, because at the end the master doesn't just say everyone's okay because this person is wrong and you all have been right. And so I think that scares us in, in, in a society where we want to see God as someone who just lets everyone in and just do whatever they want and he's going to be okay with it. The master makes a decree and says, this person's been evil and he will be cast out and this person's okay and he's going and these people are going to stay. They get it. That's a hard thing for us to wrestle with and we'll let you guys do that in house church. Um, <laughs> but really, this passage is about hoarding versus stewardship. We're stewarding. And hoarders, um, have any of you seen the show? Um, do any of you know, anyone know a hoarder? Anyone brave enough to say, I may be a hoarder? There might be a few of us. Um, but uh, hoarders can't seem to let go of stuff. Uh, when you look at a hoarder's house, it looks pretty crazy. Um, and hoarding is not something that is only uh, 100 years old, but people have been hoarding for all, for all time. Uh, just in 1997, it was either 7 or 92, there was this huge hoard of treasure found in England uh, and, because what, and it was all Roman gold and Roman coins because people would take their stuff and they would hide it. And then they would die and no one would know where it was and then people run around with metal detectors. You ever, yeah. And so people just continued to hoard. And this is all over the world. People are still finding treasures that have been hoarded from years ago. Uh, the other thing that is a sad fact is people die from hoarding. Um, there was uh, uh, two brothers, uh, the, the Collier brothers in Manhattan, and they hoarded books and furniture and musical instruments, and they set booby traps all around their stuff, and then they ended up, die- they ended up dying because they were crushed by all their hoarding. They just like literally crushed them. And it's funny because it's actually sad. They don't know exactly when they died. Because they were, it took them like days and days and days to actually dig through all of the stuff to find their bodies. Yeah, so it can kill you. Just want to make sure you're all aware of that. You're all, you're all like texting your mom. Mom, you need to get rid of that stuff now. Please. But the, the bigger question is, why do we hoard? Why do people hoard? And the thing is, is hoarding is not just about stuff, right? 
It's about money. It's about even our time. I think people hoard time. But why do we hoard? So some of the things that, that I'm discovering about hoarding is we hoard because we're afraid of losing it. We hoard because we're, we have this fear of others, this fear of the future. Um, yet anyone ever see any of the doomsday preppers or the preppers, the preparation folks? I mean, that's, that's interesting stuff, right? They're, they're saying something bad is going to happen, so I'm going to make sure I've got everything under control here now. So when that something bad does happen, I go underground into my bunker, and I'm not sure what they do then, but they go underground into their bunker, and then when it's okay, they come out. It's just very strange. But there's a lot about control and safety. People hoard because they want to keep control, because they want to stay safe. Hoarders have this idea of it's mine. There's fear of growth. And most hoarders that I've met seem to be miserable because so much of their life is bent on themselves, is bent on, on trying to make sure everything is secure and everything is accounted for and everything is there. But as I look at stewards, stewards serve people. Uh, how many of you have ever been on Southwest Airlines? It's a fun airline to fly on, right? Because these stewardesses and stewards... When they show up, it's a party. They're excited. There's joy in there. You know, they're smiling. They're dancing. They're making fun of people as they're trying to put these huge bags in. But there's something that's really interesting about the way that they live their life. They have this company that backs them, that loves them well. And so they just love the work that they do. They're generous in how they look at all of things. All things. Stewards are generous people. They're also risk takers. Um, they're, they're not afraid of loss. They're very attentive to others and others' needs. And they're very creative. They figure out ways to plot goodness. And the one thing and the last thing is they're filled with joy. If you've ever met someone who gets stewardship, they just have this smile on their face. And it's like not what they have to do with what they get to do. We've been lucky because we have great examples of people that steward things very well within this within Renew. I mean, I think about how Julie and Cheryl take their vacation time, which should be bent on themselves because that's what our culture tells us, and they give it to kids and adults and young people in Guatemala by fixing cleft palates and changing and saving their lives. Um, we, we hear about it within house churches when there's a need and people... People recognize that there's this great need. Maybe it's something as simple as a washer or a dryer or just a meal or just watching a kid so mom and dad can get out or just being present. And we hear these stories week after week after week of how house churches do this well. They steward their time and their resources and their stuff and they just say, we're, we're, we're going to try to share this. You see, we have to understand, the scripture, when, when, in, in the book of Acts, there's this great p- passage that's been preached on a hundred million times. But I, and I wanted to this week, but someone stopped me. Uh, it's Acts 2.42 and it says, And all the believers were together, they were sharing all their stuff. And like we kind of pass over that, but this, this, this King Jesus changes our life, changes the church's life so radically that they don't look at their stuff as their own anymore. And they begin to look at it as God's resource in blessing. How do we bless others? What are ways that we start to see God do great things? Because stewardship is not just about money. We cannot compartmentalize generous living to money alone. We can't do it. We cannot compartmentalize 
generosity to just money. Also means that we can't just write money off and say, I'm being generous in all these other areas, God. But we have to, we have to include our education, our bank account, our skills that we have, our car. Fellows and ladies that own trucks, your trucks. I know that's really sad because when everyone has to move, they're like, hey, you have a truck. You know, first call you get after like 20 years of silence. <laughs> our talents, our homes and our apartments, our jobs, our spiritual blessings, whatever you have can, can not only be used for God, but it can be used to multiply the kingdom of God here on earth. In the parable that we just read, we have to understand that the most grave offense to the master is hoarding. Hoarding what you have. What you have is meant to grow, my friends. What we have is meant to be used for good. It's meant to be invested. Investing Christ-like love in others, regardless of the benefit to yourself. It is risky to invest. Let me say that one more time. It is risky to invest. But that's the nature of investment. It's just the way it works. Dorothy Day, in her book, Lows and Fishes, says this. If we don't have some kind of precariousness in our life, we are unlikely to see the work of God. Not all of us are called to sell all that we have and give it to the poor. All of us are called to take risks with what we have for the sake of the king and his kingdom. For some, this is giving it all up and entering into poverty. For most, it is giving up all we have spiritually and using every last penny for the things of God and watching it grow. And the servant who was cast out, it had nothing to do with the, with the quantity. I want us to hear that. It wasn't because he had less money, but it had everything to do with the motivation of his heart. It's not that he buried it, but that he didn't have an accurate picture of the master's heart. See, I think really what all this gets to, what, what all generosity and everything that we have gets to, is how do we see Jesus? I, I want to say that the lazy servant's view saw God and this master and Jesus as angry, hard, frustrated, tight-fisted, the mighty smiter. I think that's how we saw God. Because what happens is we see these guys, and, and so... The master gives away these incredible talents to these people. And, and we begin to see God show up and blow the doors off of the way that these people experience God. And what, what I think happens is this. The first two guys, they see the father coming up to them and saying, Here's this, the master, here's this money. I trust you. Go. like Bless others. Bless people. And so they take it and they realize that God is actually, the master is actually sending them. That he trusts them. That I'm not just a lowly servant anymore, but that the master trusts me with his money. And so what they do is they go and they multiply. And, and even in their multiplication, we have to understand that they're blessing others. They're taking this gift that has been given to them and they're using it to bless the world. And it's not just about blessing the world because they're blessing the king. Because the way that they see the master changes the way that they live their life. And when we look at, when we look at the servant who's wicked and lazy... He doesn't have an accurate picture 
of who the Master is. He th- he, I mean, his words are, you know, I know that you are a hard man and that you don't gather where you scatter and you don't... And, and he, he literally looked at all this, this stuff that had not, he, he did not know who the Master really was. And it's funny because I, I, I kind of wish there was a, a conclusion maybe a few, a few books later or maybe this story number two when we see the servant make ten bucks off of the investment. And I think God at that moment would be like, way to go. You took it and you used it. You did something with it other than being a consumer of what this is. Because the master, he gave all three of the talents freely. And he wasn't begrudging when he gave it. God's heart is generous. He's generous because he's blessing you. He's blessing me so that we can be blessings to other people. And our view of Jesus and His heart and God's heart dictates how we live. So let me just take a moment and stop. And I want us to lean in about what God's heart is like. It's really big. His heart, He is a jealous lover. He has no room for you to be in love with someone else. He has no room for you to love security and these other things over Him. He wants your full attention of your heart. He just longs for your heart. And how do we know this? Because we we are people that believe and affirm the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That all of us, every single one of us, are separated from God's love because of our sin and and the way that we are unclean. But God made a way through His Son, Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection means that we now have life and we can enter into relationship with God and be fully present with Him. Understanding God's heart is that when we look around, we recognize that I stand in a room full of sinners that have been made saints by the blood of Jesus. And if that hasn't happened for you yet, and you haven't placed your weight and your faith in Jesus, I hope today is the day that we can celebrate that with you. It's funny. It's like it feels like the rag. I feel like the gospel is the rags to riches story. Because all of us, we have no inheritance. Because of what sin has done in our life, we have no inheritance. Our inheritance is death and destruction. But when, we, when Jesus shows up, He changes our lives, and now our inheritance is big. One of my favorite words in all of Ephesians, is that in all of the Scripture, is this word lavish. And in the book of Ephesians, it says, God lavished His love on us. That's where this generosity thing comes from. A God who lavished. And lavish means like pour out crazy. And I use this really dumb analogy, but it's like taking a French fry, sticking it in this bowl, and then just loading ketchup. You can't even see the French I like ketchup, so it works, but whatever. Yogurt, however you want to go. Maybe you like health and it's like a chia seed or something. But to be completely enveloped and completely covered that we can't even make out what the heck was in there from the beginning. That's lavish. That's God's generosity towards us. That's the way He sees us. That's the way that He's situated right now in heaven. As He looks at you, He's saying, I've got all of this for you. All, all of my wisdom, all of the power, all of the glory, it is, it's, it's yours. I trust you with it. I want you to run with this. I don't want you to hoard it. I don't want you to just say, I'm so glad I'm loved today. And just leave it at that. I'm, I... I I'm so glad I'm loved by the King that I need to respond in some way. I need to do something with this. See, people who live generous lives, 
They have a a robust view of God's grace. They recognize that all of their life, they don't deserve the blessings that they have, but they find themselves in this thankful place saying, God, I know I don't deserve it, but I want to do the best with the things that you've given me. And again, it's not about the size of the amount. It's all about getting our clenched fists to relax. My friends, we are clenched, we are fist clenched people. That's our nature. We're born this way. I love how this morning we practice praying with, with, with our, our hands open. Here's a question. Some of you, that may have been very natural. How many of you were like, didn't know what to do? You're trying to like, oh, I'm going to fold. Anyone besides me? No, just me. Okay. That's great. This doesn't work then. But we're born with these, with these things that we just want to clench. And here's what happens when our, when our hearts are clenched. We are never able to receive because you cannot receive. We'll just talk practical. You can't catch a football with clenched fists. You ever try? You're going to break your nose. It is not going to be pretty. We only receive when our hands are open. And so what the gospel does when we start to understand God's grace and that he loves us and he forgives us and that he calls us new and that he wants to pour out his blessings on us, our, our, our hands slowly begin to open. And when they're open, it, it, it's like one of those things where whether he puts it in my right hand or my left hand, I'm just, I'm ready to kind of throw it back. God, here it is. Thank you. Help me bless others. Ultimately, the question that we have to wrestle with is, do we trust him with our money and our stuff? One of the things that's been really neat is there was a, there was a need within our, the Lanzell House Church community. And someone, and this is someone who's generous, their, their attentive ears were open. And they read between the lines and they heard a need. And then there was this awesome plotting of goodness happening. Where a bunch of people started shooting out emails. Saying, hey, how can we help? What can we do? And people began to secretly, which is awesome, start funneling some money over to this, to this need. And, and last week, this need was met. And we sat in house church and we saw this person with tears in their eyes crying because this need that she had that she never felt comfortable vocalizing was found out and that God, through us, was able to fill a need. It was one of the most beautiful things that, I, that I've seen. And here's the deal. It, it wasn't about tithing. It was about relational tithing. It was about being part of something where we see needs and we say, I'm just going to let my money flow to that because I sense that what's God, that's what God is doing. And so here's my challenge to me and to you this morning. As we think about the difference between being a steward and being a hoarder, where am I a steward? Where am I stewarding God's resources well? And where am I hoarding? I want to take a minute. Just think through that. If you have a pen, write it down on your hand. Write it somewhere. But just think through that for a minute. Maybe it's a good opportunity to use some of the tools that we've learned earlier. Maybe we sit with our hands open and we say, God, help me receive where I am. Where am I a steward? Where am I a hoarder? So I'm going to be quiet for a moment and let us think through that.
my last challenge to us, to me, myself, and to you, is where can we join God in living generously this week? So this is real practical. If you can do this, I want you all to go home to take 10 bucks and to stick it in your pocket. Keep it in your pocket. Maybe you want to do all ones. I don't know. But as you think through the week, I want you to practice. This, is not, this doesn't happen real naturally all the time, but practice listening to what the Lord may want you to just bless someone with. Maybe it's a lunch. Maybe it's picking up someone's coffee. Uh, when you're in line at Starbucks, maybe there's someone behind you and she's got four kids in her two arms and you just want to bless her. But I think this may be a really good practice and a really good opportunity for us to do, to actually say, I'm going to leave this in my pocket. And if I show up on Sunday at house church and it's still there, I want my community to say, why is it still there? And maybe your answer is, I just didn't see a need. Okay, well, let's pray for your eyes to be open because, you know, and maybe God didn't have a need for you that week. But what if we began to say proactively, what are the steps I can take to learn to live generously? How do I do that? And here's the thing, please make sure you hear me saying this comes from a place of grace, not guilt. We are able to live generously because we recognize how much generosity God has given to us. That everything that we have that we see and everything that we don't see and the fact that we are loved by God is the most beautiful gift that we have and nothing in the world is greater than that. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, we stand in awe at how you love us. We stand in awe at how you have poured your life onto us. And God, we stand in awe because it feels like you have given us these million, billion dollar Stradivariuses that are so beautiful and old and costly and you've given it to us and said go make joy in the streets go make music so people dance lord may we be able to look at our lives as pipes that bring blessing forth and lord i pray if any of us have clogged pipes in the back end where our view of god is distorted that your holy spirit rotor rooter would knock that out and we would have opportunity to see you for who you are and to be set free by that picture of who you are. Lord, I pray that as we continue to wrestle with what does generosity look like, that you would continue, we give you permission, Lord, I give you permission to mess with our hearts, to change us and to shape us into the image of your son, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.